Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with the fabulous Lila Smith. She started a brand new way of thinking and messaging platform called Say Something Better. The last time I spoke with Lila was over a year ago and we were both in totally different places and everything that we're talking about now is all just a figment of our imagination. And now, you know, we've taken the time and made it a reality. I didn't even know if I was going to start a podcast and I was going to have guests on it. <laughs> and now I'm, you know, a year later, that's exactly what I'm, I'm loving doing this because I'm learning so much from my guests and my audience is, you know, a great feedback uh, outlet. So Lila, thank you so much for taking the time and jumping on this podcast episode. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's Say Things Better. So Say Things Better. Yeah. There you go. So Say Things Better is something that came out like right after you and I last talked about a year ago in April. We were talking about just life at the time, which for me was working at this company and mm -hmm. just seeing that the most success I was having in my role that I had was thanks to this experience I had in theater and, and how many communication skills it taught me and how it wasn't something that gave me the ability to say things perfectly, just to yeah. say things better because I had intention behind them. And you were, I mean, you had your own like user experience, life and now you're you're talking about the experience of so many different people. You're still diving into how other yeah. people experience the world. So I mm. still see your dots connected. It doesn't surprise me that you're doing this. I think it's cool. It is. It is really cool. Uh, and the one thing that I didn't know, I mean, I in the longest, like I've been connecting with people just as a way to just connect yeah. on in for the past 15 years right and I was like okay you know it's, it's good to have connections but like somehow I just didn't know okay there's more to just connecting there's those these conversations that we have with each other because in the back of our minds you you meet somebody and like oh they have these really awesome experiences I could totally learn from that or there's some collaborations and now we're seeing that you know, that's the way the world grow has grown to where it is. Like collaborations are the the milestones, the the stepping stones to bigger and better things. Yeah, for and, everyone. Yeah, for everyone. And like that's something that didn't trigger in my head for the past couple of years. I mean, it wow. triggered the past couple of years. And I think that's mainly because as you grow older, your your mind becomes in a different state, or maybe it's the books that I've been reading that's triggered this stuff, or maybe it's al always been there in one form or another. I just didn't have those firing mechanism connecting those two dots together. Because yeah, you were probably connecting some other dots. Mm -hmm. So it's it probably 
all comes around to having acquired a knowledge or an experience in one area. And then when you start building experience in a different area, and then you start seeing those parallels, like I see parallels in everything now. It's, it's yeah. pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. Pretty you know, yeah. about collaboration as a value or something to have as a goal. I think when mm-hmm. you have a specific message in mind, it becomes much easier to feel the need for collaboration as a specific thing. I need people to get behind this message. And I feel that about Say Things Better. Before, I felt that way just about community. And not the community is no small thing. You know, I I love it. I need it. I needed to feel brave. I needed to feel supported and not alone that I have a place in the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, I didn't have any specific projects that I needed collaborators for until I felt that I had something to say. Yeah. And when you feel you have a platform, when you feel you have found the message that you have to get out to as many people as possible, you have probably more of a natural instinct than ever before to reach out and look for help and look for people to come in and help you do that. That's so true. Um, that's really that's a really good point because... And I can relate to that in a, in a perspective from when I got into cycling, I was just doing what I knew and I've been talking to other cyclists and then a couple of years ago, finally connected. And um, um, I think my wife's friend was like, Hey, my, my husband's into biking. Is your husband also into biking? And then we got connected and then we were like, Oh, they have a whole bike team here going on. And then just going into that tribe and listening to them, you know, expanded my mind into what I should be looking at. Oh, pri- and- that, that word tribe is really powerful. Mm-hmm. The collective wisdom is sometimes easier to hear than the, you know, the wisdom in our heads. Like you probably that's- knew about stuff you could have been focusing on, but to hear yeah. a whole group of people reinforcing it, that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So tell us your journey and story. I mean, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, having experience in theater and having experience in marketing and communications. Like how does all that came together? Like what was the path you took or what was the journey like? Gosh, if I had known it was a path, (laughs) I I would have done it the same way. (laughs) I just kind of wandered around feeling lost for a really long time. (laughs) Uh, Lost, but happy. You know, I was a happy person. Mm -hmm. And Kristen Sherry will tell you that this is because I have positivity as one of my top five strengths. So I naturally have this positive outlook. I like to see the glass half full. I like to see where there are blessings. I like doing that stuff. It's natural to me. So Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how unsettled I was in one place or another. And I didn't know that there was another option. It didn't even occur to me that I could take the different pieces of my life and smush them together to make something powerful. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. (laughs) But the path that was laid out for me, you know, and I believe everything happens for a reason and the opportunities that are in our life are put there, whether it's by God or by chance that everybody in the universe is conspiring to see me succeed. It happened. I spent 10 years in theater professionally and really I've been in theater my whole life. You know, I I came out 
a performer. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> my parents had no choice but to put me in theater camp and send mm-hmm. me to a theater high school and theater college. And then I, I did perform professionally for about 10 years before I retired from the industry. And I also, you know, actors have to have a day job mm-hmm. just to support the lifestyle and every expense that goes into being a successful actor. It's really such a money pit. Same as being yeah. an entrepreneur, same as being, uh, <laughs> so I guess in that way prepared me for that part of it too. Yeah. And same as being a musician, an artist, any mm-hmm. kind of pursuit that takes a lot of your own personal capital. So actors have these extra day jobs mm-hmm. and a lot of people are waiters or bartenders because mm-hmm. they have flexible schedules or there are different hours that you can work around your auditions. And yeah. for me, I kind of had this regular career (laughs) as my day job and I just had found a way to do remote work and to work for people who had flexibility with me. I had gone from retail to retail wholesale to uh, customer service and the brand element of customer service communications, on-site events, training other people, managing departments, and then moving into e-commerce and managing departments there. So I had this just regular, you know, I say regular career. It wasn't regular. It was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, the story, yeah, like that story (laughs) of my other professional life is something that I don't even know is on any other podcast, but Mm -hmm. I, it it is interesting. It's an interesting story if we, if we want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's what this is about. Okay. Well then I can, this is going to be the only place where this lives because I just never talk about this anymore. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. just, it's part of the past, but it's part of my present too. So there was this one summer doing dinner theater for a professional theater company in Oneonta, New York. Uh, And I was there for college and I stayed over the summer to do this work with this theater company. And so I was in a bunch of different plays and musicals over the summer. I was a singing waitress. And during this summer, I had this extra cash. And I was, it was like the first time that I felt, you know, great abundance in my wallet because people were tipping the singing waiters. And I was yeah. getting a, a check for being in the show. And I just had this, you know, this money and low expenses for living in this small town. And a little lingerie store opened up. Uh-huh. called Private Drawers. And it was owned by this woman, M.D. Poole, who I don't know if she's really of this world. She might uh-huh. be some kind of magical fairy who was sent down from heaven to connect me to my greater, higher achieving self. Mm-hmm. Because I walked in through the doors of this store and first of all, it smelled gorgeous. There was Eva Cassidy music playing uh, and French music playing coming out of the open doors on a summer day in upstate New York. Just the most beautiful, magical experience. And there's this woman, this like light as a feather woman with a big smile on her face and smiles in her eyes. And she welcomes me in and she says, hello, would you like to see something special? And I said, "Uh, yes, I would like to see something special. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) And... (laughs) Uh, I walked in and this store, Private Drawers, was all of these pieces of antique furniture that were stocked full of 
lingerie, new stuff, and also some beautiful vintage pieces, like silk bias cut nightgowns from the 30s, and just the most exquisite things coming out of the most exquisite things, and led by this exquisite person. And I fell in love in, in that moment. You know, I had had you know, the Victoria's secret catalogs and things like that, that young girls are are interested in like, Oh, that would be cute. You know, but this was something else. This was another level. This was stuff that was really special. When she invited me into that store for something special, that's exactly what I got. It was this Mm -hmm. transformative experience and it kickstarted this love affair that I have with just the transformative power of lingerie and dressing from the inside out, communicating to myself first before I got dressed in the morning, no matter who's going to see it or not, this is for yeah. me. That foundationally, before I put anything else on my body, you know, there's fragrance and there is silk and there are materials that are handmade and that this part of my being a powerful woman was something I had access to through this handicraft through this tradition of dressing from the inside out. So, and I still do it. I still wear like the most beautiful things that I can find that, you know, come in the right sizes that fit, that feel good. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of this career. I I wouldn't leave this door. I said, you know, I'm going to have to be here every day. I spent as much money as I had. And I was like, you, you, you're never getting rid of me now. And she said, well, would you like to work here? And I said, I, (laughs) Yes, yes, I would like to work. I would like to live here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I did move into a, an apartment that was two doors down from the store. And I worked there for the rest of my college experience. And when I left, you know, I had graduated and moved back down to New York City. Mm-hmm. It was leaving the town, leaving the people that I knew there, the relationships I had made in local theater. It was so much more emotional of an experience for me leaving that community than actually graduating college and having this degree just was something that I felt very powerfully moved by the Orpheus theater community, working with the Bayes family, Sammy and Sammy Dallas Bayes and Barbara Bayes and uh, Katrina Schuler and Claudia Keppel. Like there are so many people from that town who I don't even know if they know what kind of an impact they had on me while I was there, but I know that MD pool knows I'm still in touch with her. And I, uh, she's living in France now and I've got to go visit her at some point, but that started it. And then when I moved to New York city, I got another job at a lingerie store called La Petite Coquette. And I was like the, you know, top in sales of these retail things and we didn't make commission. So it was never like I was trying to make the biggest sales. What was different about the way I was selling was I wanted to give people what MD Pool was giving them at private drawers. I wanted to give them this transformative experience. And so I listened. What, what are the needs that you've come to me with? What do you have that I can help with? What is that for you? Do you have presentations that you have to do? And maybe some shapewear would make you feel more confident. Do you have um, like a hot date later and you need something to feel like even if he or she isn't going to see it, <laughs> that you know what you've got going on underneath and you, <laughs> you bring that part of yourself to the table. So yeah. I would listen to what people's things were that they had going on and I would find them the most empowering, beautiful things that I could find them. And because I was giving them things for their needs and that included like running to the sales section 
and getting mm-hmm. things, getting an armload of things that said, okay, you've got $200. Here are 10 things that you can have. You don't have to leave with just one thing. And it was an expensive store. So one bra could be $200. But this was my favorite thing to do was find stuff that was on sale or find things that were a good deal. And then people felt like, oh, I can leave with 15 things and five of them would be full price. The rest of them wouldn't be. And those people were my diehards and would come back to work with me again and again because they knew that I really cared about them, their needs, their budget, and gave them this special experience. Yeah. And I'm still very much doing that, providing the, the same kind of listening to what somebody's needs are, giving mm-hmm. them that special experience, and calling out what of their needs or what of their benefit might help yeah. their customers' needs. It's just doing the same thing. And I, and I didn't see it, you know, and I never, I talk about the theater element of it, but so much of what we learn as kids in retail really carries a lot of weight if we listen to what those lessons are. So from there, I went to work at Rebecca and Drew Manufacturing, which was Mm -hmm. a little store. And, you know, I, I moved around a couple of times. I went back to La Petite Coquette several times, but I would keep leaving to go and do shows and I would go on tour and I would be gone for six months and I would uh, then come back. Hey, do you have any work for me? And uh, Rebecca Apson, the owner of the store did have work for me sometimes. And then eventually she didn't anymore and they had more fully staffed. So I found another job at this store called Rebecca and Drew Manufacturing in the West Village of New York City. And this was a little store, hot pink with a bunch of shirts inside. And the shirts were fit by bra size. And I was mm-hmm. trained as an expert bra fitter and I can still do this. This is like a handy little trick that mm-hmm. definitely does not exist in any other podcast uh, of me talking about, <laughs> which is that I can look at a woman and tell you what her bra size is. And a, wow. lot of, like, a lot of my guy friends and some of my women friends too <laughs> would really <laughs> love this skill <laughs> that I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so useless at parties because you can't bring it up. I mean, I yeah. do anyway. It doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of women long to learn that I can do this. Mm-hmm. But so I took my bra fitting skill into this shirt store where the shirts were fit by bra size, mm-hmm. which eliminated that little gap between the buttons that women hate so much. And mm-hmm. they they were sizing these shirts using trio fit technology, and I loved. I loved so much these, these shirts and the fit and I became you know, an evangelist of this company and I kept talking about it everywhere. And I was only mm-hmm. part-time. I was there two days, sometimes three days a week while you know, yeah. I was also auditioning and performing and mm-hmm. working in New York City as an actress. And then I started doing some stuff kind of on the side for them. I, I suggested, I know some people from when I was in the lingerie industry um, you know, reps who would come in, other lingerie stores knew about the store that I had worked at. So anytime I was somewhere else in the country, I would mention it and form these relationships with the owners of lingerie stores. So I mentioned nice. it to Rebecca Matchett and Andrew Paluba, who were the owners of Rebecca Andrew Manufacturing and Trio Fit Technology. And I said, you know, these shirts would be a great fit, so to speak, you know, at these lingerie stores where the women who work there are trained like I was to know someone's size and to help them find the right fit and to be involved in a shirt fitting experience that's really a lot more intimate than women are used to when they're shopping for regular clothes. Yeah. So I started 
a trunk show initiative for them. And I would reach out to these lingerie stores. Hey, it's Lila from New York, from La Petite Coquette. Uh, I started this, um, I think the first one I planned was on Cape Cod at Bedroom Eyes Boutique, mm -hmm. which was owned by this woman, Amy, at the time. And I had gone into that store while I was hanging out with some of my theater friends on Cape Cod. And so she was like, hey, what are you, what are you up to? I said, I got these shirts. And she said, bring them on up. So I brought the trial line of shirts. And this was like giving the retail experience out of a box. I don't know if yeah. everybody listening knows what a trunk show is, but you mm -hmm. take a selection of, of things that people can buy to a store that doesn't have that inventory yet or doesn't carry it yet. So it's a kind mm -hmm. of a special experience. And yeah. they show up and you, uh, you give them some stuff to look through and you give them a fitting experience. So I would travel with these sets of try-on shirts and swatch books so people could pick out their fabrics like like men have done for so long. You're, you're Do you like have any a custom shirts? <laughs> traveling salesperson. Yes, exactly. I was like a little traveling salesperson with a box full of navy blue try-on shirts for women <laughs> that had their bra size stitched on the cuff. <laughs> I mean, they didn't, you know, when we made the shirts, they didn't have the size on the cuff, but yeah, that's what they were. Uh, so I would sell, I would take orders. Um, people would want five different shirts and five different materials. So it was a mm -hmm. successful little program. And what it showed was that there was a want and a need for trio fit technology, you know, in women's garments that extended yeah. past this little store, past our own e-commerce site. And that really around the country, there were women who were craving a better fit. Mm -hmm. So it paved the way for some other initiatives that the company wanted to do. And when they moved from the store to a showroom by, by appointment only model, I was the only one of the sales staff that they took with them. Mm -hmm. And I, because I had started these trunk shows with them, got a promotion and became the national sales coordinator. So I was doing all of this stuff then from having been the girl who was in musical theater and in retail I now yeah. was national sales coordinator for Rebecca and Drew Manufacturing. And I kept planning these trunk shows and planning events. And then um, Rebecca and Drew, which had been a, a proof of concept, luxury level brand for TrioFit, closed. And mm -hmm. they kept me on. You know, they said, well, there's something for you. And it's not, um, you know, we're not going to keep doing this line of shirts. But TrioFit Technology was partnering with InStyle Magazine to oh, wow. make InStyle's first ever clothing line called InStyle Essentials, which was nice. to be a line of button front shirts fit by bra size. Mm. So these like perfect white shirts were always on the InStyle list of all the things women have to have. You know, they give you like mm -hmm. the top 10 gotta have it fashion things. And the yeah. perfect white shirt was always one of them. So it was, again, so to speak, but naturally a fit. <laughs> and I was in charge of taking everything I knew about the trio fit brand voice, the science, the technology, everything that I had learned about the customer experience, giving yeah. this luxury level customer experience, but making it accessible and having it carry a voice that was really very much like my own. Yeah. Very, this is for you too. Um, very mm. egalitarian. You know, this is in style. This isn't Vogue. This is to include, this isn't to, um, to distance, Ex exclude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Excluded. it wasn't exclusive. It was inclusive. Exactly. 
So we had this line of shirts that I then launched this mobile fit tour of with them. And we worked mm -hmm. with um, people in marketing and events. And I worked with uh, Andrew Therian at Big Orange Productions, who I knew of because yeah. my actor friends had day job work working for his company, being brand <laughs> ambassadors. You know, the people on the street who like will hand you a granola bar and say, try this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, try so, this. yeah, exactly. Or in a store where they do sampling. So Big yeah. Orange Productions hires and casts actors to do that kind of work. You submit uh -huh. your headshot and you tell them about yourself and they pick the people that they think best represent the brands that they are hired to do these events for. So yeah. I knew about them because mm -hmm. my actor friends worked for them and I knew how well they operated. So I brought yeah. them in as a partner and I said, they have the best brand ambassadors. And I know that because they're hiring actors. <laughs> so <laughs> if they're hiring my friends, they must be hiring the best. And it's true. Yes. So I worked Absolutely. with them to, to do the mobile fit tour of InStyle Essentials. And we were at different cities all over the country in this big rock star bus that had a you know, wrap around it that made it look like, um, like a giant woman with a shirt on that was gaping <laughs> and then a whole shirt that was fitting. And we, fit, we retrofit the inside with fitting rooms and shelves. And mm -hmm. we hired the Big Orange Productions brand ambassadors because every different city that we would go to, we mm -hmm. needed people who could be on brand for InStyle Essentials featuring Trio Fit technology. And yeah. we needed them all to have the same voice. We needed them all to have the same skills. And mm -hmm. we needed them to be somebody that we could go into any different city and instantly scale our staffing without bringing people on full time because this was for events. So they yeah. were perfect. And it was my job to create the brand voice training manuals and how to fit the shirts. I did mobile, I did these remote fit training sessions. We did FaceTime. I don't think there were Zoom communications at the time. Mm -hmm. So we used FaceTime. Yeah. And we also did in-person trainings for like 15 minutes in the morning. Mm -hmm. But it was really these phone calls that I did and the documentation that I created for yeah. InStyle Essentials that taught the people at, at Big Orange, this is what we will need. This is what you need to do. This is what to get ready for. And I did yeah. fittings for them remotely too. I would look at the girls over the camera and I'd <laughs> say, she's probably 34C. She's probably 32D. Get that one a 36G. And so <laughs> you know, they would send me their measurements and I worked with them on scaling the fit. And that was the, that was the last job that I had that was um, like a lot of person-to-person, face-to-face training and serving in, in a retail capacity. And there was all the customer service for online as well for yeah. the, you know, the online customer experience. So mm -hmm. website reviews, and I did the, the messages with customers and mm -hmm. fit consultations. And I, I led all of this stuff and trained the other people in our showroom to work with us too. And then That's after amazing. that, like that didn't, it, it was, it was amazing. It was really cool. And it was a lot of fun. And I just like thinking about having come from a girl who sold underwear to mm -hmm. pay the bills while she was auditioning to play a matzo ball at St. Luke's exactly. Theater. I mean, that was really, that was a thing I did. And so yeah. having come through this kind of traditional career path and learned on the job 
And, and that was my day job. I wasn't waiting tables. I was learning this stuff and yeah. all of the brand communications and all the emails. Like I handled all of, all of that stuff with them and all of the customer experience. Yeah. So then when that company, it didn't work out in style magazine and trio fit decided to dissolve the, the partnership um, oh, for, yeah, like it was, I think it just was not, what InStyle had expected. And I, then I don't think they needed it. You know, they're already a big major well, if you, conglomerate. If you think about it, right. So, and the one thing that I kept thinking about when you were talking about traffic technology and, you know, the, cause it's a very niche, right. It's a very niche. Oh yeah. Tech. And InStyle being a magazine, you know, they thought that this niche is something that they could, like it could take them to the next level, but they're a much broader magazine. Like yeah. they're not, this is not the only thing that they're focused on. So that's it wasn't, probably right. Like, and they yeah, had so like, an agreement, you know, they're, um, they were to be the media partner for yeah. the clothing line and the partnership was like a licensing agreement. So it was just, it just didn't work out um, for them to be the media partner for InStyle Essentials, the company anymore. Mm-hmm. And Still, though, we had the InStyle name on all the clothes. So, like, good luck getting <laughs> coverage in other magazines, you know. Um, it was a challenge uh, for sure, but it was a great experience. And everybody who has those shirts cherishes them. I've had people reach mm-hmm. out to me about Trio Fit technology long yeah. after those shirts stopped becoming available. Um, I know that they're like frequently searched on eBay and Googled. So um, <laughs> I would love to know like what they're doing with them because Trio yeah. Fit technology is the only way that I know of that I've ever been able to find button front shirts that fit. Mm-hmm. And I would happily champion them. And that's the other thing is that I've always done these jobs that I would happily champion, you know, that I could stand behind and say, here are the things that are so powerful about what this brand does. And being a natural brand ambassador of the companies mm-hmm. I've worked for has made me successful. So knowing that I, that I can do that, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to stay at a company that didn't have something I could be proud about. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when that company closed, I went to DNA Footwear and that was the last job that I had. I, I came in as customer service manager and left after three something years mm-hmm. where I had been the director of e-commerce and communications for that company. So I see the ladder, you know, if I go back, I yeah. see the ladder. Would yeah. I have say that I had planned it or that anybody had shown me the way? Not at all. No. But that was that part of my corporate career was like in that way. And I had been doing marketing consulting on the side for companies like Mm -hmm. Speltright, just a bunch of like smaller companies Mm -hmm. because I needed it because, you know, again, like acting was a money pit. And then I had a a wedding to pay for. I had like all kinds of things in my life that were expensive. Mm -hmm. Living in New York is expensive. And so I, I did everything that I could to use what I had and mm-hmm. help other people and make money. So my, I guess my hobbies were really just working <laughs> to support my other work. <laughs> and it just was stuff that I, I kind of liked, but none of it really used all of what I have until yeah. now. Until now. Yeah. And that's, that's what I see the powerful, you know, the, you see the journey and look at all the things that you've learned through that. 
and how you can now combine it. Like this is who I, I mean, because a lot of times people say, oh, I, I regretted doing that. But that's the thing, right? You shouldn't be regretting because if you hadn't taken that step, you wouldn't have gotten up the ladder or up the steps. Yeah. Because you still have to go through different parts of a staircase. You know, there's the the steep staircase or there's a flattening, flattening staircase. But again, it'll all take you to a point where you are now today. Yeah. And I could never have planned it for myself. I think no. people look at their own lives and they see a lot of scattered stuff, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's another way to tell this story. I mean, I yeah. see the chronological trajectory and how each thing led to the next and how that mm-hmm. led to what I'm doing now. But yeah. the other way to tell this story is, I don't know, I've worked all over the place. I've done retail. I've done wholesale. I've done mm-hmm. shop and shop agreements. I've done marketing. And so people listing the bullet points without telling the story yeah they're not acknowledging the story for themselves. We exactly. all have one life <laughs> and mm-hmm. lots of different pieces of experience that mm-hmm. might seem disparate. They might seem like they're all over the place. yeah, but we each are the through line in our story. Exactly. I'm the same person who sold lingerie the way that only I could. I'm the mm-hmm. same person who trained a hundred different brand ambassadors in different cities to represent a brand like only I could. And I'm the Mm -hmm. person who stood up on stage and ran around with a bunch of little kids playing orphans and Oliver playing Nancy, (laughs) uh, their, you know, their friend and and the leading lady in that play and that musical, like only I could. Mm -hmm. And I played a matzo ball too, like only I could. And that's the (laughs) thing is that, you know, that extra bit, the like only I could, yeah. That's the stuff that we need to be talking about when we do our exactly. own messaging. The whatever Absolutely. that is that makes the like only I could. I do messaging mm-hmm. for people like only I can because I bring all yeah. of this experience behind me. Exactly. And and that's that's why I, I like to listen to these journeys, these stories, because there's so much power in those stories that opens up your mind like none other. It's like reading a book that's specifically designed for you. Yeah, a living book. Yes, a living book. And you can go back and ask questions and you know and and having it on a podcast it's like okay, I can go back to it and listen. Oh, oh, I can take notes, you know, this is how you communicate, this is how you like plan a branding session or whatever. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. so many things you pull out of it. And I'm super super excited for what you're doing with Say Things Better and helping others find their voice. Oh, because that's the trouble, you. right? When we yeah. live inside our minds, unless you put it down on paper, what's inside your mind, you can't see it. You're right. And that's why people use coaches because people like coaches can see exactly what you're talking about. They can see from the outside and they can then analyze it. Oh yeah. You know, I mentioned Kristen Sherry. She did. She did Mm -hmm. see it on paper. I mean, I did some assessments. I did the the four assessments that we do as part of UMAP Mm -hmm. to identify my four pillars of career satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And I had said to her, you know, I'm happy, but I'm kind of not happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she was like, well, okay. Um, I said, you know, I'm fulfilled 
but I'm kind of not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And I tried to explain, you know, I feel like at any given time, no matter what I'm doing or whatever I've done, like there's more for me. Like yeah. there's, there's more that I'm not doing. There's more power to me. And I'm mm-hmm. only, I feel if I have to put a number on it, I feel only about 50% fulfilled Yeah. ever when I'm doing theater work, when I'm directing, when I'm acting, when I'm selling, when I'm marketing, when I'm doing a user experience review of a mm-hmm. website, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm doing, uh, when I'm learning things about e-commerce and the back end of a website and operations, when I'm managing a team, um, yeah. I love all of these things for their own thing. But mm-hmm. anytime I do any of these things, I miss an element of the other things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She said, why don't you try communication coaching and consulting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, that, that's really cute, Kristen, but I need a job, you know? <laughs> it just was so silly to look back now and think about that I didn't see any way that it could be a job. And that was where I was last time you and I talked was I had this awareness. I knew what my superpowers were. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until... Uh, I think it was January of last year I started and December, December the year before in January, I started testing some of the things that I knew from theater in a business environment and saying, okay, if I get purposeful and intentional about doing this in business, what does that look like? What are the actual steps? And I had this yeah. book called I Am by Amy mm-hmm. Blachka and Bruce Kasanoff. Mm-hmm. And it had all these first person affirmative statements. I am whatever. Um, you know, I am brave. I am curious. I am distracted. I am whatever the thing is. And these poems or, or writings afterwards that the two of them had collaborated on. And then there would be all this white space. And yeah. I used these books to just, the, you know, it was one book, but I had multiple copies because I kept filling them up. And I used <laughs> them kind of as journals to explore my own mind. And I worked out the five steps of the say things better method of intentional communication in the pages of those books, like right there. And I would talk to people from our LinkedIn network, people you probably know too, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Shua Thompson and Michael Spence and Fiona Young, Fiona Young. And I spoke very, very close to, it might've been new year's Mm -hmm. and she's all the way in in Hong Kong. I was asking her, what are the verbs? Like, have, you know, do you know about my verbs and verb your values as part of say things better? So Fiona and I had gotten on the call and Michael Spence also and Shua Thompson and just some, some other people. I had a bunch of people that I was like, hey, we've been engaging for a while. Let me test something out on you, would you? And they, they let me kind of play around. In theater, actors come to the stage with an objective for their character. My character wants to achieve this thing in this scene and my scene partner, the other person in the scene is who I'm Mm -hmm. going to get it from. Even if the script says that they don't get it, your character doesn't know that at the beginning of the scene, they go after their objective. And it's your job as the actor to relentlessly pursue that objective until they get it. One of the ways that we do this uh, for some actors who've been trained in the Stella Adler technique of uh, actions and tactics, we say, okay, here's, here's a line. Maybe the line is, that will be sufficient. So I try to do something with this line to get my objective. And the thing I do is direct my communication. So if I'm saying to you, 
that will be sufficient. And I think that the way I get you to say yes to whatever my objective is for the scene Mm -hmm. is to flirt, then that will be the verb, to flirt. Mm -hmm. If it's to intimidate, that will be the verb. If it's to dismiss, that will be the verb. And I don't say these things out loud. I just put them in my head before Mm -hmm. I say the line. So if I wanted to comfort, that will be sufficient. And if I wanted to dismiss, that will be sufficient. Oh my God. (laughs) It's the same line. And the the verb in my head sounds different. So you do it. So do that will be sufficient. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll give you um, a verb um, to excite. Mm. That will be sufficient. Exactly. Right. We're like, (laughs) great. We've got enough, whatever it is that Janet is saying we've got (laughs) perfect. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I mean when I say intentional communication, it it almost doesn't matter what the words are for this part of it. It's just Mm -hmm. the way you're going to make someone feel with your communication. Wow. So being intentional about those things. Oh my God. That's super powerful. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it is. It's so simple, isn't it? Because we're just deciding what we want to do to another person, but we're making that decision first so that we don't accidentally have a different effect on them. No, that's so true because, because so, okay, let me, let me tell you something that I've been working on and yes, please. Maybe I'm failing. (laughs) So, um, I did the 30 days of videos and I only ended up getting to 12 um, where I was talking about, uh, you know, mobile video production using your smartphone and all the different techniques that you you can use. So I'm making that into a course. I I wrote a chapter on it that's going to go in a book, um, um, a a co-authored book. So I'm done with the chapter, but now I've got to record these videos. And... When you when you mentioned the you know say something better or say things better, intentional speaking, and when I said what you told me to say with the intention of ex- excitement or whatever to excite yeah to excite right mm-hmm. it will be sufficient right so yeah. when I'm talking on the video I felt that I'm very monotonous <laughs> even though I try to bring you know some. Mm-hmm intonation and and um oh yeah well you, you were thinking right. about outside in right thinking yes. about the effect of well if i make my voice go higher here and then lower yeah. here it will sound yeah. more interesting yeah but it sounds <laughs> weird when we do it that does. and it sounds you know our voices uh and i talk about this a lot this is why the naturalistic style of acting this humanist movement of saying we want actors to bring their real experiences, their real feelings, the mm-hmm. things that are authentic to them to the table. Yeah. And it's the same that we're looking for in brand communications now. We want what's actually inside of you because that is what we will connect with. We don't That's connect so with true. the tools and tricks and trip and tips. You know, we have all of these people out there who are body language consultants and teachers. And it's helpful mm-hmm. to have somebody say, okay uncross your arms. Okay. Plant your feet. You know, we do need people to tell us those things because we get into these nasty habits when we're speaking. But if you want to have an impact on someone, if you want to have an influence in that moment, you have to be intentional this way about your communication because it's so simple. You don't have to remember my voice, this, my voice, that my body, this, my body, that you only have to remember to excite. Yeah. You just need to, you and your mind is automatically prepped 
Yeah, like because you've lived your whole life already knowing what that means. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. So I do so work powerful. a lot with people who do a lot of technical communication, medical communications, legal communications, financial communication, things that can come across as very dry. Uh, yeah. I work with startups and I do pitch mentorship for them. I teach them mm-hmm. how to do better in speaking about their company, about their ideas. And this is one of the core elements using these yeah. verbs. And I give people three. I say, I think you should have three verbs and that mm-hmm. they should be an expression of your values. So yeah. mine are to affirm, to connect, and to empower. And again, mm-hmm. using those as a connection to my values because I don't have to try and remember them or try and fake it. This is the way that I feel best. Now you might be to educate, to inform, to equip, you know, that these kinds of things might feel more dry, but if you are intentionally doing them, they won't because it just Mm. adds something. It adds intention. It adds energy. It calls upon what you know you must do instead Mm. of letting it just be informative or have the material be what equips someone. If your intention is to equip, I'm doing it right now. I'm giving you tools. I'm being organized about them. And you can hear the way that my voice changes when I'm trying to walk you through a program. So it happens automatically when you just add the verb inside your head. Mm -hmm. And this is some work that I do in my coaching with people who have a hard time with creative expression. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, you don't need creative expression. You just need to be excited about something and talk about that. No, that's so, that's super powerful. I love it. I love it. And, and um, when you, like the other thing that you mentioned is, you know, in acting, cause you're, and people like producers are looking for actors that, that bring their, their own self out. Yeah. And maybe that's why we've seen so many actors in the same role over the years. Is that one of the reasons or the same role? Yeah. So like, give Not me an the example. Same role, I know. I, I think I know what you mean. Like when you okay. see um, Paul Giamatti on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You Done kind of know of what you're going to get. Yeah. He's playing mm-hmm. a lot of different parts. Each of yeah. them is different. He's calling yeah. on different elements of, and I've not discussed this with him, you know, sure. we're not like great friends or anything. Although I'm open to that. I think he, of course, in Brooklyn, <laughs> but so, yes. He brings different elements of his experience to each character, Mm -hmm. but he only has one set of experience to really go for without Mm -hmm. imitating somebody else. He's pulling upon Paul Giamatti's life, his experiences, his contexts for what words mean, his parallels for things that he can draw upon from his life that relate to what the character is going through. And so that's what he knows. Even with doing yeah. research, he's only going to ever really know. And this goes into some mm-hmm. psychology that you know we all did in college, right? Yeah. Uh, the the response repertoire that we develop mm-hmm. when we learn things from our own experience, and then we can call upon them for our response, or we do without meaning yeah. to. That the things that we learn are are from our experience of the world, and our walking through it is different than somebody else's. Yeah. Even identical yes. twins have different experiences oh, of the same event. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's really mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people you know, don't know. They don't have any idea how scholarly acting is and how much we all 
learn about the human condition, how deeply we yeah. dive into different people's stories and how much yeah. more we often understand about ourselves and about audiences yeah. and about other people by purposefully putting ourselves in the position of what would I do if something similar were happening to me as is happening yeah. to this character or other characters in the script? We are that's, you know, kind of forcing that empathetic learning. Yeah, no, that's really great because, so we're going way over, but just, this, is, this is really powerful. What's really cool is, so I'm, I'm into acting also. Like I've watched some videos and I, I'm like, okay, I, I want to go into acting, but I really... Because, well, initially I was very shy. Like 10, 15 years ago, I was, I couldn't even hear myself speak on the microphone. Wow. And now you have a podcast. I have a podcast. And, and, and like I said, you know, it, it takes that time and, and the experiences that you go through. And then your mind growing. And, and you know, they say once you've crossed 40, you, you, you have some kind of wisdom now. <laughs> <laughs> Do they say that? <laughs> I don't know, um, because the one thing that I do know from the Quran is that uh, the Prophet Muhammad, he was not revealed the Quran till he was 40. Because okay. till you're 40, you're still a youth. Well, then call me a kid, too. I'm not 40. <laughs> <laughs> I got a ways to go. <laughs> You've got a ways to go. Yeah, and that's but why I've I wanted... lived like 19,000 people's lives, <laughs> you know, within my own yeah reading the yeah. stories and putting myself into the characters in every yeah. book that I ever read. You know, when I say I was yeah. born a performer, I was born an actress. Mm -hmm. I was doing the voices that I thought I should do for the mm -hmm. characters in kids books. And I was thinking as I, you know, as my read little women with my dad and I was thinking mm -hmm. about Meg and Joe and you know, like what their stories were and what they were thinking that wasn't on the page. Yeah. I've done this my whole life, putting myself in somebody else's story and seeing what of my story I can connect to it with. Yeah. So I might not have lived 40 of my own years, but I've probably <laughs> lived at least 900 of somebody's. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. And, and so last year I turned 42 and 42, as you know, is the ultimate answer. <laughs> From Hitchhiker's to Guide to the Galaxy? Yes, exactly. <laughs> is that a Hitchhiker's Guide reference? Yes, it is. <laughs> and I was like, I'm on no other podcast. <laughs> on no other podcast. Right. And so I was like, I, I'm turning 42 this year. I've got to start this podcasting that I've been talking about. And I did. And I'm so happy that I did because I've learned so much from so many people. I am, I am, like constantly growing my mind by connecting with many other people. And it's just, it's just so amazing. I love it. Oh, I love it too. I love that you're doing it. Thank you so much. You talk to interesting people. <laughs> you know, uh, I just talked to Tom Malloy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him mm -mm. from Love Dancing. He starred against Amy Smart and what's her name? Oh my God. I can't, I can't believe I'm blocking on this, but, um, he basically wrote a book called Bankroll and as a producer, how to raise money. He's raised like $25 million in oh, cool. making movies and whatnot. So really powerful guy, really awesome guy. I got to meet him last week and then I got to talk to him last week on the podcast. And it's been like, I'm just connecting with everybody that is in line with my passion. 
like mm-hmm. marketing, communication, acting, woodworking, cycling, you name it. I mean, and that's why this podcast is called Hacks and Hobbies. And hobbies, and, you know, they cover our entire lifetime of trying something new out. Ah, yes. Oh, I love that. I love the way you put that. Because that's what a hobby, like you start something as a hobby. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't like it, you stop and you try something else. And if you do like it, it could be the way that you save the world. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Like my hobby used to be acting and then it was my profession. And then it was the basis for the Say Things Better method of intentional communication. And then I went to Washington, D.C. and spoke to people in the federal government about (laughs) being intentional communicators. (laughs) And maybe someday I'll be the uh, federal government. There you go. Who knows? A little bit close to us. All right. So some questions um, that we ask, that I ask, I always say we. As if, you know, there's a lot of people talking about this podcast. <laughs> it's you and all of your followers who have come yes, to expect exactly. these questions. There yes. you go. Mm-hmm. See, that's, 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 that's what I was looking for. So these questions that my followers, my audience looks for, what is one hobby that you wish you got into? It's so hard to say that I mm-hmm. regret anything that I, that I have tried, but there are some mm-hmm. things that I haven't mm-hmm. until just the last few years. So I have a little brother. I mean, he's not so little anymore. You know, he's an adult. (laughs) He runs, he's the director of sales and membership at the Philadelphia Cricket Club. He's like a real person, Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) a whole guy. But when we were growing up, he was always my little brother. And he was very skilled as an athlete. And -hmm. in fact, went to school for sports management, which is why he's at the Philadelphia Cricket Club. Nice. But he was the athlete growing up and I was the artist. We were mm-hmm. both writers. So in that way, we had crossover, but there wasn't a lot else. There was like playing with Legos, watching Saturday morning cartoons and Saved by the Bell and Ghost Rider on Sunday nights mm-hmm. and writing and our family. But he nice. had his hobbies, which were the sports things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had mine which were the arts things and the Barbies and the fashion and (laughs) coloring and performing. And so we had very different sets of things that we were really into and we loved these things. Mm -hmm. So it just never occurred to me that maybe I hadn't found my sport, that maybe sports could be for me, that some kind of athletics could be for me. Because Mm -hmm. so funny, you know, just in the last like, Really, it was just a few months ago, I think, or last year I was in, uh, in Dallas and a bunch of friends and I went axe throwing. Mm. And it was so much fun. And I felt like, <laughs> well, I need to be doing this every day. I'm going to become a champion axe thrower and you'll all see. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but like it made me think, you know, I, and, I, and I've been going to batting cages and, you know, I don't mm-hmm. love like running around the bases. Yeah. Um, I don't love running at all. You know, I would need, I would need a lot of sports bras to really enjoy lo- running, <laughs> but, but I like swinging the bat and making contact. Mm-hmm. I like boxing, which I, mm-hmm. I learned that I like boxing during some private training mm-hmm. lessons that I had had. And these things that I grew up never trying, I just wonder what would be different about my life if going back, mm-hmm. I did have 
whatever that thing was that I'm enjoying now, these, these kind of like, I step up to the plate, it's my turn. I do my Mm. thing and then I stop. Like maybe it's not about the contact with other people Mm. or the team sport, which is interesting because the rest of my life is very team oriented, very community oriented. But in sports, the things that I have ended up liking as an adult are these kind of just for me things. Yeah. We had fun all doing them together. But when it was, you know, it's not like there are a bunch of people throwing axes back at me when I'm throwing my axe. (laughs) So I don't think I would like that. But no, these kinds of things, like I think it would have been interesting to pursue. And it's not like I'm dead, you know, I have time. I can still pursue them. Absolutely. You know, you know, when you mentioned as about if you had tried those sports back in the days, where your life would have been. Yeah. I'd have and been a champion axe thrower. You'd be you'd be in a totally different place. Yeah. And a a parallel to that um that I that I'm remembering, um, there's this new show on Fox, I think, called The Orville. Uh it's created by Seth MacFarlane of Family Guy. And in oh, yeah. one of the episodes, they found this time capsule that was buried four hundred years ago. And they're in the future. And in there they found an iPhone. And oh, wow. this, lady, this lady had put her entire life on there with, you know, there's text messages, there's videos and emails and everything in there. And so they started looking at the phone after they unlocked it. It's like an anthropologist stream. Exactly. And then one of the uh, actors, one of the characters on the show, he started because it was, it was this lady who had her entire life history in the phone. And um, what's funny, they're like, I've upgraded this phone's battery, so it'll last, it'll last forever. <laughs> I was like, wow. can I have that technology now? So anyways, can I he, please? Like, can I please yes, have a phone battery that'll last that forever? <laughs> <laughs> so what he does, he, they have a, since they live on a spaceship, they have a simulator so they can, they can go and experience different things. Like they can visit Earth or they can basically get away from being on space. So he basically places the phone in the simulator and says, can you make a simulation out of this phone, this person's life? And he basically falls in love with this girl from this phone from the past. And you're like, oh, my God. And every night he's going there and he's visiting her and she's like playing, playing guitar. And one day what he finds out that her boyfriend is trying to get back together with her, with her. And he had already fallen in love and and he's like, oh, my God. What can I do? You know, I really like her and she wants just to be friends. And he tells the simulator, can you erase all instances of her boyfriend so i could be her boyfriend oh my god right so then he goes first of all that's creepy af but go ahead it is it is right (laughs) so he goes back because it's all it's all fake he goes back in there and he goes and she's a barista and he's like why isn't she playing a guitar and she's like i would never play guitar and then he realizes that her boyfriend was the one who pushed her to go into her passion and played the guitar because that's the part he liked, but then it was because somebody else had suggested yeah. years ago. Oh, well, we're so suggestible. Like you, and you, <laughs> you, you really have to mine your history. 
Because you never yes. know what that thing is that's going to ring a bell. Exactly. So like, that was that was super super creepy, but super like yeah. These are, I mean, without these milestones in our lives and all the people that we meet, we wouldn't be here. We would yeah. be somewhere else. It would be a parallel universe. And with additional so, things, like if I had, if he had, if it had been saxophone in addition to guitar yeah, or something, exactly. what would the difference have made? Maybe you yeah. connect with somebody else that you see with a saxophone on the street and then that's a new conversation mm-hmm. or you go over there and it's just, you just never know. It could be anything. Yep. Those tiny little things sometimes mm-hmm. connect us to the biggest differences. Yep. A million different things. A million little things. Yeah. All right. Next question. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Mary Poppins. Awesome. I need to see that movie. I didn't grow up in the States, so I never got to see it. But I'm looking forward to the, the latest rendition of it. Yeah. Who is your um, favorite the- superhero? Oh, um, so just on Mary Poppins, the, the new one mm-hmm. is with Lin-Manuel Miranda. So Lin-Manuel Miranda was, he, you know, and still is, he's the creator of Hamilton, the Broadway musical that basically took over the world. And wow. before that, he did In the Heights. And so he's been a prolific creator of musical theater and using rap and using different kinds of music that hadn't been brought to the theater before and to tell stories that hadn't been brought to the stage before for these Mm -hmm. audiences. So I definitely am interested in seeing what he brings to the role that Dick Van Dyke made famous in Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just love Mary Poppins because there's something so magical in every single moment. Mm -hmm. And because there's this childlike suspension of disbelief you know even though they are skeptical even though they are um these these skeptical children of george banks you know uh they don't know they don't know mary poppins yet so when she comes in she gets to be the one who opens their eyes to the magic and i want to be her so badly (laughs) so in answer to your next question who my favorite superhero is it's got to still be her nice very very cool last question if you were a board game, what would it be? If I, oh, guess who? So do you know the board game, guess who? They're the little people that you flip up and flip down and you're guessing who the oh. other person has on their card. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, I love guess who, but my friends play it differently. We play ambiguous yeah. guess who. <laughs> and that means, so what the board game looks like is I'll have a red board and you'll have a blue board. And mm-hmm. we have the same set of, I don't know how many people, like 30, 40 people on our boards. And each little um, card flips up. And so you start with all of your characters flipped up. And we have the okay. same people, but they're in different positions on the red board and the blue board. So you don't know who I'm putting down when I put them down. And the Got traditional it. game is played by asking, does your person have a hat? Does mm-hmm. your person have blue eyes? Is your mm-hmm. person bald? is your person a woman, you know, and you put down, if somebody says, okay, yes, my person's a woman, then you put down all the faces of all the men and you Mm -hmm. leave up the women until you, and you keep asking identifying questions until Uh there's only one person remaining. And then you guess, is your person Claire? And the person says, yes. And that's the whole game. So it's it's, like 20 questions. It's, it is like that. Yeah. Um, But the traditional game is asked where you ask these questions about what somebody looks like. And so you're trying to figure out how many ways you can identify them, whether it's racially or, or mm-hmm. by age, gender, mm-hmm. 
whether they wear glasses, but it's all physical. The way that nice. I play it, we're making character judgments. So the questions that we ask, we're not allowed to have any kind of physically identifying characteristics mentioned, and they're still yes or no questions. So I would ask you, is your person competitive? Does your person feel a sense of fulfillment? And does your person have a greater purpose in life? Does your person prefer Superman to Batman? Would you leave your child alone in a room with your person for more than two minutes? You know, anything that you could ask that would, you would hear what the other person playing thinks about their character. So you're putting down, you know, when they say, yes, my person does whatever, yes, my person does have integrity, right? So you're putting people down on your board that you don't see their faces anymore. Mm -hmm. If you think, if they think that their person does have integrity, you're putting people down, not who you think don't have integrity, but who you think your partner thinks won't have integrity. So it's a way for me to get to know how you see other people in the world. That's really powerful. It's really fun. Yeah, I'll have to check it out because there's so many board games that I've learned about through these podcasts. I re- I have a list going on. Like, okay, I got, oh, do I you have an article one. on LinkedIn that you just keep updating? I should have an article on there, but I haven't. I, have, I haven't gone there yet. You should make one and then fill it with affiliate links so that you get paid if Ooh. anybody ever buys a board game. <laughs> That's the, not like, a bad the idea. First part of my life coming out again. Exactly. <laughs> like, how else no can you monetize? affiliate marketing is so powerful, and we might have yeah. to do another episode on that. Yeah. But where can my audience find you? Oh, people can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there every day. I've been on LinkedIn every day since June 1st, 2017. And I'm mostly commenting, but I do post things once in a while. Uh, I posted something today about taxes. It's April 15th Mm -hmm. as we're recording this. So posted about taxes um, today and (laughs) probably won't post again for another month or so. (laughs) But I'm there every day commenting and in the comments is the best place to reach me. So if you see me comment on somebody else's thing, comment after me and start to build a relationship that way. And if you want to work with me, you can go to saythingsbetter.com. Perfect. And uh, I noticed that you had posted a comment an hour ago that you're going to be doing the recording with Janet. (laughs) It was like two minutes before this call. I was seeing Rachel Chang go on LinkedIn Live with Katie Wallace, and they're both two really good friends of mine. So yeah. I went on there for as many minutes as I could. And I was like, got to go. <laughs> go to record with Janine. <laughs> I need to talk to them as well. Bring them on to the podcast because they have the Unlearn show. And um, Katie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's really powerful. Really powerful stuff. And and there's there's so much to talk about. It's it's my, like when you talk with people with the, with the same mind frequencies, like you can talk on forever. And... Like a lot of things that we learn, some things aren't in line with where we want to be. And that's where the unlearn factor comes in, right? Okay, how do I unlearn this thing that I want to get rid of? Like being a procrastinator, how do I unlearn that? Or not getting to places on time, how do I unlearn that kind of thing? I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great show. I love um, on the Unlearn show, you've got Sonny Tannen and Jake yeah. Jordan and Chantel Sumas and Lacey. I love Lacey so much. 
um, yeah. and Katie Wallace, of course. Nice. Well, Lila, thank you so much for your time and your your story and your journey. This was so well, thanks for asking. Amazing. I love listening it. to love me it. do a big brain dump of my whole life. <laughs> so you can always come back to this episode and be like, hey, what did I tell today? Yeah. No, actually I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, this is stuff that I haven't talked about. And I've been spending mm-hmm. so much time mining my theater experience. Yeah. What if there's stuff that I'm leaving out of my own ability to help people exactly. that I'm just not acknowledging? So mm-hmm. I'm going to take the audio file of this, run it through subtitle and yeah. take the, um, well, I'll have to break it up because they have a 30 minute limit, but uh, oh, okay. I'll send it, put it through well, subtitle and get the SRT, like the text format, mm-hmm. you know, unless there's, you can get it. Uh, there's another app that I use called Otter, O-T-T-E-R dot mm-hmm. A-I and there's no limit. They give you 600 minutes for free. Oh, great. That's perfect. Yeah. I don't yep. think we've been on for quite 600 minutes yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's great yeah, to talk absolutely. to you. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hexandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hacksandhobbies.com website. 